Yes, yes. Welcome in to the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. I am your host, Tim McKernan, alongside executive producer John Seymour and videographer Nick Yale. We are in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly in the HomeLoanExpert.com team, the sponsor of our studios on the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Our guest this week... John Mazalock, the Cardinal President of Baseball Operations. I went over to the Cardinal Complex at Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium in Jupiter, Florida, and spoke with Mazalock on Friday afternoon. Now, to give proper context for everything, the move announcing Jairo Munoz as the Cardinals' fourth outfielder had just been made, sending Harrison Bader down to Memphis, but at that time, news that came out on Sunday regarding Adam Wainwright to the DL and Jack Flaherty to the rotation had not taken place. So uh, sometimes these things happen. You record an interview and uh, circumstances change, and certainly we knew that that was possible with sitting down on Friday and knowing that this would debut a couple days later. So just a little uh, piece of knowledge there. But I uh, wanted to speak with Mazalok on a variety of topics Because my observation uh, this year going into both spring training and now going into the regular season is that I have never seen as much angst, frustration, uh, lack of optimism from the Cardinal fan base during the Bill DeWitt Jr. era. Uh, And I know that's saying something, but I think if you think about it, if you're a Cardinal fan and you're in your 20s or 30s and you can go back and think through these years, uh, compare and contrast, I would imagine you would uh, say that it's at the very least it's one of, if not the least optimistic and or most angst ridden fan base years that we've seen. And so along with that, you have potential for change, whether it be with Mike Matheny, whether it be in the front office. If this team doesn't perform, I would anticipate changes. We discuss that. We also discuss something that has become kind of a common discussion um, right now with fans, and that is amongst some that the team just wants to hoard money, and we get into discussion of payroll. So that's another element of the conversation. Uh, it's all there for you. There's really nothing else I need to say. You're going to hear it all from John Mazalak. Uh, we certainly talk about something that became kind of a, a hot button on the Ryan Kelly morning after when he sat down with us and, and said when we asked about uh, fans' lack of optimism, he said, you know, look at our track record. And yes, the track record over the body of work over the last 20 years has been outstanding. But the recent track record with players that uh, the Cardinals positioned as members of the new core, such as Piscotty, Gritchick, Aledmus Diaz, and Trevor Rosenthal, none of those players are with the organization anymore. So what would his response be to that? You will hear it. All of that coming your way here on the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. It's brought to you by Ryan Kelly, the HomeLoanExpert.com, the sponsor of our studios. If you're in the market to buy a home, if you're in the market to refinance a home, make sure you go to the HomeLoanExpert.com. I am personally in the midst of doing business with Ryan Kelly as we speak. So if I am comfortable doing business with Ryan Kelly, I am wholeheartedly endorsing you doing business with Ryan Kelly. My family's already done business with him. And I can tell you this, you go to the HomeLoanExpert.com website and right there, click on purchase or click on refinance and you can find out the numbers that you need to know 
right away. And from working with his staff and working with Ryan firsthand, I can tell you nobody does it better. And that's why his business continues to grow, continues to thrive, and so many people rave about their experiences. It's the HomeLoanExpert.com, the sponsor of our studios here on the Tim McKernan Show. So without further ado, here is my conversation with the Cardinal, President of Baseball Operations, John Mazalak. Mo, thank you so much for sitting down with me. I know you are thrilled to uh, be doing so. What do you think of my little recording device? It's very cute. Thank you. (laughs) This is where the industry is going. Just want that on the record. So, evaluation of the Cardinal rotation at the end of spring. Well, I think the good news for us is Adam Wainwright looks healthy. He's throwing the ball very well. Um, Obviously, when we made the addition of of Miles Michaelis, or Miles Miklas. We're still trying to determine that, but we will have that a correct answer here in the near future. Okay. Good. Okay. But my sorry, don't interrupt. It's very distracting. Uh, but but I do feel like overall, from a from a rotation standpoint, we had a really good camp. And when you when you think about the one man that we actually sent down in Jack Flaherty, who you know, arguably deserved to make this club. It just shows you the depth. And, and probably one more name you should throw in there is John Gant, who mm-hmm. also threw the ball very well. So I think the Cardinals have a pr- very promising future in, in terms of the starting rotation and, and what we have available. And we didn't even mention Alex Reyes, who um, will begin throwing in games at the uh, end of this month, which is very exciting. Look, it's almost like you hacked into my, my questions right here. Look at what I got right there. That's exactly where I was going with the uh, with the line. Is that uh, Tim, uh, hacking too soon. <laughs> you know, right as it came out of my mouth, I was thinking to myself, will he address that? Will he just get up and walk away? But, and you've got a ball in your hand ready to strike. So <laughs> along those lines, I feel like Weaver, Waka, and Wainwright had kind of a similar really good spring. Different way of getting it done for Adam Wainwright than the past. Weaver was outstanding to the point that he would have a great start against the Braves and be like, yeah, but I walked three. And you go, wow, that's where the bar is for you now. That's outstanding. And I was talking with Derek Gould, and he said Michael Walker reminded him of the 2013, granted super small size, Michael Walker. That's how impressed he was by him. So let's just focus on those three guys. Would you agree that they they were above where you were anticipating this spring? I would say no. I would say that Weaver and, and Walker, we had high expectations for, and I think they lived up to that. The, the big question mark for us coming in here was Wainwright. Mm-hmm. And I think you know we talked about that early on at, at some point that that was going to be really set the tone. But with Jack Flaherty right behind, I wasn't overly concerned. But obviously... When you have so much invested in Adam, you want it to work out. You know, I also think the the one change that we made with with the pitching coaches in, in terms of adding Maddox and, and Gertie, I think that's been a help. And it's not to say that where we were a year ago wasn't working, but I would say that I think just hearing a voice and, and having him be able to complement some of their skills with strategy and approach has been something that they find very welcoming. Yeah. Miles uh, Michaelis? Michaelis? Remember, that's a TBD. That's TBD. Miles. The first couple starts, I I think everybody, and I don't know how you were viewing it, we're going, oh my, what's going on? Because that was kind of the question mark going in. I felt like this was the John Mazalak signature off-season play, kind of the, who is this guy? But we're really high on him. And then you see the first two starts, you're going, oh my gosh. 
Then he has a side session on the backfields with, with Mike Maddox, and he comes out, has it like a defining moment against the Astros, and I think it was Carlos Correa. And ever since then, he's been trending up. What happened there? Well, I think a couple of things. One is, first off, when you look at the success he had in Japan, um, that's, not, that's not luck. I mean, he has skills. And, you know, when you talk about sort of our offseason, our offseason strategy and our offseason spending, you know, he was one guy that I think – I think I think he was contacted by over 16 teams, his agent told me. And I think it got down to about six or seven. So it's a very competitive market. I think we won the proxy, or the proxy ended up being that we were in Jupiter, which I think was, was helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was also excited to contribute to this rotation. And when you talk about the relationship with him and Maddox, it goes back to Texas. They have that. And I, and I think Maddox looks at a guy that has multiple pitches, multiple tools to get people out. He was just helping him arrange them in an order that made sense. Or, or maybe the way to think about it is you have all the tools. How do you strategically manage them? And I think for him, early on, he was using them out of order. And then after that side session, he, he got them in the right order. Carlos Martinez's spring I, it struck me as kind of the outlier, the odd one where he had a start, had to skip it for personal reasons, and then has had some at least one, I guess, backfield uh, session. What's how would you describe his February and March? I would say that pretty typical. Yeah. Um, I would say that you know here's a young man that that has enormous skills and has he harnessed them yet? No. Will he? I hope so. I think Maddox is someone that that will be an asset to him because you think of the some of the elite pitchers Maddox has worked with. I think that'll help resonate with Carlos. But you know when you call, when you talk about just pure stuff, he has it. Mm-hmm. But you have to have more than stuff in this league. And this league is about being able to execute and having a strategy. And, and I think you know we have one of the best catchers to ever play the game helping with that. Mm-hmm. But to some level, you still need the pitcher to execute. And, uh, you know, to boil it down quite simply is a pitcher controls one thing, mm-hmm. letting go of the ball. Mm-hmm. After that, you know, he's dependent on the hitter and then dependent on his fielders. Yeah. But mm-hmm. he's got to trust it. So Carlos Martinez's spring, in your mind, is not something you go, oh, I'm concerned you described it as no. typical. Yeah, like when you have those kind of tools, you don't you don't worry too much. Yeah. It's, it's when you have someone that's on the margins – and then has a mediocre camp, then you're concerned. So we mentioned what we saw with Flaherty, with Dan, and then, of course, Alex Reyes, and didn't even get into the Hicks, Hudson, Helsleys of the world. Um, and Hicks is sent down, comes up, and throws a couple of innings, uh, inning plus a couple of innings a couple of days ago, and just looks just sick. I mean, just sick. Is sick an acronym for positive? Yes, now? it is. Okay. Yeah, it's a poker term. It's a poker term. Gotcha. And, Not familiar with it. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought so may, I thought maybe he became ill. No, 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 no. But what was the background on the organization saying, we need to send you down? Well, you know, Jordan is a young man that, that is certainly, you know, has some growing up and, and those type of issues that he has to tackle. But from a pure talent standpoint... He's rarefied air. Mm-hmm. And, and I think he's just trying to pull it all together. And what we didn't want to have him happen is is try to put some of the things he was working on in, in terms of preparation and strategy to be a distraction up here. He went down. He, he did what he needed to do. And, and it was good. And I think the experience the other day was great for him. And, and he's someone that should be on the St. Louis fan base radar because – 
I can't recall an arm like that. Maybe the closest one we've seen would have been Trevor Rosenthal. Right. But you know, net net, this young man may throw harder. Yeah, and he's the guy that when the spring of the Dexter Fowler signing, when you guys were having conversations, uh, reportedly uh, with the White Sox regarding Adam Eaton. Everybody's going, we need Hicks, we need Hicks. And, and I think a lot of people are going, who is this Hicks guy? And, and now you see, what, in a matter of, what, 14 months, why people liked him so much and why you guys like him so much. Yeah, the scary thing about that deal, though, he would have been a throw-in. Wow. Right. That, wow. Would, that would not have been, that was not, the, that was not the principle in that deal. And, and, you know, I think now people are chasing that type of arm. And, and look, Flaherty, Hicks, those are, those are names that we could have traded 10 times over this mm-hmm. offseason. But... You know, our my responsibility is is to try to collect as much talent as possible, which I know like we get beat up a lot in our market for worrying too much about our future and not about today. But you know, I look at this organization and the fact that we've had ten straight winning seasons, we've been a part of the postseason, we've won a World Series, we've been to two. You know, look, I think the decisions we're making are in the best long term interest of the organization. And I, I also feel like the club we've built for 2018 is going to be very strong. Yeah, when you, when you sat down with us for the Ryan Kelly morning after you said, look at the track record. And, and I don't know how you can argue with the track record when you look at the team, going back when you were assistant GM from 2000 all the way to present day, has been in the mix, even in a really rough year of 2007, even then in the mix. And, of course, a number of postseason appearances, world championships, pennants. The recent track record, however, I think some would say with, well, identifying Piscotti, Rosenthal, Gritchick, and Diaz as potentially core, and now they're not with the team, would be a way to say, well, maybe the evaluation has has struggled here recently or, or, or taken a hit. What would your response be to that? Well, I, I, I would disagree, okay. but I would say that just because we, we make these investments and we think of them as, as long-term assets or long-term pieces for, for the organization, things do change. And, you know, when you're looking at an organization that deploys a lot of resources to scouting, to international, and to player development, our pipeline is going to flow. And the moment that doesn't happen, that's when the Cardinals are in trouble. So when you don't have replacements or you don't have the ability to fill in those voids – that's when you know we have an issue. And I think the one compliment that that you can look at with the Cardinals is, you know, our, our system's strong. And would I call it an elite system? No. But I can't recall the last time we picked in the top ten either. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I think fans now have a better understanding, I think, after the spring of seeing what happened with Flaherty. You know Reyes is lurking. And then Gant going, man, you got the five in St. Louis, but waiting in the wings to the point that if somebody got hurt, you wouldn't necessarily go, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Because there are these three arms in Memphis. That's a that's a unique spot, I would think. I don't recall too many times in recent Cardinal history that's been the case. Maybe I'm missing it to have that caliber of well, talent waiting in the rings of a rotation. I mean, I said this a few times last week when I was dealing with the media, but, I mean, I've sat here a while now and, and put together the, the 25-man roster and... I can't recall ever where I could have put 36 guys on the 25. I can recall a couple of years where I couldn't come up with 25. That's scary. Wow. How those years wind up, I'm curious. And the years end up fine. Like I always tell people, like, don't necessarily beat yourself up over what opening day roster looks like versus 
maybe what your August one roster looks like. Right. Because typically that's more important. Right. And and the ebb and flow of a one sixty two, there's always going to be changes. There's always going to be ups and downs. And the more important part of why that thirty six versus not having twenty five in, in years past is important is because eventually someone's going to get hurt, mm-hmm. and you're going to need to have to pop down and get help. And the one good thing I can tell you today is is we have that help. All of this is made possible by our sponsors. Without our sponsors, we got nothing, Jack. That's the reality. And James Carlton and the James Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency has been with us from the very beginning. They took a bet, and we're grateful that they did make that bet six-plus months ago now with the Tim McKernan Show uh, and the Cat Chat on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Great stuff from James Carlton. He truly gets it, and that's why his business continues to grow. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. The number, 314-961-4800. Jim Hayes of the Cat Chat and I have visited his offices. And honestly, I thought, I'm I'm like, okay, I'll come over to your office. You know, I mean, I have an office. I don't really know if you really want to see it. But the reason he wanted us over at his office was because he has a huge staff. And you really don't see that with insurance agencies. But he has a huge staff because he doesn't want anybody who call calls him to ever get voicemail he wants them to talk to somebody directly it's an old school mantra from a younger guy but he gets it and that's really important to people and that's why the customer service reviews at james carlton insurance are so positive and so enthusiastic 314-961-4800 314-961-4800 it's james carlton your state farm insurance agent and sponsor of the tim mckernan show I think a month ago people would have said, well, Bader's going to be the guy, fourth outfielder. and I he, probably would have too. Yeah, and then from the pleasant surprise department, I would imagine, the uh, one of the players involved in the Stephen Piscotti trade, Jairo Munoz, not only performs well both in the outfield, but also gives you some position flexibility on the infield, and he wins out. Uh, your thoughts on that battle? Well, I, I think it came down to just what you said, flexibility. Uh, first off, he's had a great offensive camp. I mean, he mm-hmm. centered balls. He, he did everything you'd want to see. And that's what we liked a lot about him when we were making the acquisition. We thought he was just one of those guys that could hit. A um, little bit of a Jose Martinez-type profile where, you know, for some reason just wasn't getting kind of the love you would have thought. And I think yeah. it was driven maybe a little bit by his on base. But, you know, subtract that out. And when you look at someone who can play short, play second, play third, play center, all of a sudden, yeah. especially if you're going to carry 13 pitchers, Having someone that can basically play anywhere, that's valuable. Yeah, sure it is. You guys had, I would imagine, tough conversations with both Bader and Carson Kelly. Sometimes that can really motivate a player. Sometimes that can frustrate a player. I'm sure it frustrates every player, but how they respond to it. Um, What are your thoughts on A, Bader, we just were discussing, and and B, Carson Kelly not starting the season up in St. Louis? So there's sort of two types of, of, of options, right? There's the option where... I know I'm going to be optioned. Thanks for the spring training opportunity. I hope to see you this summer. And then there's the option of, I was expecting to make this team. And when you have that one, those those conversations are are a lot more difficult. And at times you see the frustration of a player. And it would be no different than you or I in in any type of professional lifestyle we've become accustomed to, that it's not going to be that. Mm -hmm. And... You know these these kind of talks or just or, or meetings are hard because a player thought they were going to be there, and 
you know, in, in Bader's case, he had a very good camp. The, the, he, he lost out because we go with 13 versus 12. Mm-hmm. And, and then someone that you know, probably wasn't on anybody's radar, especially player-wise, is, is Mr. Munoz, who, as I just, we just discussed, his flexibility. And then, of course, you have um, Jose Martinez, who can play first and also the outfield. Mm-hmm. And so when you're starting to like, you know, put this together and build that roadmap, that's where he gets aced out. And, and that's the tough part because my, you know, we're going to see Bader this summer. I know it. Um, but telling him that this morning isn't going to make him feel any better. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to you want to be a part of an opening day. You want, it's exciting. Sure. And this time of year, it's it's always frustrating to when you walk down the hall and you spend time with with players for the last forty straight days, and now it's like that awkward moment of. Thank you, but no, thank you. That's right. tough. Yeah. I mean, that's the side of the business. I don't think people see or hear, and mm-hmm. and you have to remind yourself that players are people. Sure. They're humans, sure, and they're emotional. Along the lines of the Bader conversation, the Carson Kelly conversation, a guy who was up here for all of uh, 2017. How do you view that decision? As he was not himself, at least what we have become accustomed to seeing uh, in February and in March of this year. I, I feel like. Carson had a had more of an acceptance to to realizing that he needs to be playing. It's not he's not at a point in his career as much as he wants to be in St. Louis, as much as he wants to be in the big leagues. But if he's really only going to get one game a week, he's not going to develop. Mm-hmm. And he's also, I think, aware and smart enough to know that if if he becomes that guy, he probably ends up being a backup the rest of his career. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's his goal. But if he would have had a good spring. Would he have been in St. Louis in that role? I think it would have been easier to accept. I still would to accept not... him in St. Louis or accept the quote demotion. No, I think I think I think he would have. It would have been a harder thing to demote right. if he had a great camp. But I would have fallen more back on my philosophy. I think regardless of players need to play, yeah. and that would have been a tougher conversation. Let's uh, talk about the ninth inning. If it's if if. You're sitting in the, the the suite at City Field on Thursday. It's the bottom of the ninth. The Cardinals are leading four to two. Who is going to get the ball for the bottom of the ninth? I think it depends on what we're facing, but I I, I could imagine that at this point, um, it could be Tyler Lyons, could be Leon, and it could possibly be Gregerson. Simple as that. It's a, it's a case-by-case basis. Well, I think like I, the one thing I would say that, that I think it's a little overlooked is Tyler's ability to strike people out. Um, when you have that breaking ball, it's a legit tool. I think when you look at the other two right-handers, they've, they've one's coming off just a very dominant year, used as more of a setup. He's young. He wants more opportunities. He wants more robust opportunities or high-leverage opportunities. I think that's exciting. And then you have someone like a Gregerson who's done it before. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I, I'm trying to trying to get a good gauge on the fan base of, of why there is a part of the fan base that that is full of angst going into the season. And I feel like one of the things is there was a thought process that the Cardinals are going to go out and solve the ninth inning problem. And in that, in the, in many fans' mind, that means going out and getting. You're all this Chapman caliber closer, even though there aren't a bunch of those in the game as it is. And the route that it appears the Cardinals have chosen to take was to go with depth in the bullpen, providing Mike Matheny and Mike Maddox options. 
Would you describe that as a fair assessment? I'm a bit concerned about looking in the closing market and, and investing in something that was going to be you know, multi-year, two, three, or four, because I do feel like we may end up having internal solutions in the near future mm-hmm. that, that may look like a Alex Reyes at some point, may look like a, a Jordan Hicks at some point, may look like a Helsley at some point. I feel like to tie our hands and have someone that, that, that may or may not last all three years, which is, it seemed like a risk that we just weren't willing to take, plus we feel like we have some pretty positive internal solutions. Now, having said that, we still felt the need to go out and sign someone, and that was Greg, Luke Gregerson. We also felt the need to go to trade for someone, and that was uh, Dominic Leone. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like when you, you, know, you bring it into an aggregate look, I think you know, for us to get through the next six to eight weeks, I think that'll be a little trial and error and see how we do it. Um, in terms of long-term solutions, I think you could see some pretty dynamic arms up here by midseason. Yeah. When I, when I talk about the fan angst, I think a lot of it centers on a focus on payroll. And I'm curious what your perspective is on payroll because – you know, it looks like the Cardinals will be either a little, at least at this moment, we're talking March, a little less than where you finished 2017. And some fans say, well, that look at what they're doing. But then when we're talking about it on the radio show, you say, well, they were in on John Carlos Stanton, which is one of the largest contracts in baseball. So if you want to float the narrative that the organization is cheap, you either think that that was a complete lie or they planned on it from the get-go to make it look like they were going to spend on Stanton knowing they never get it. And it seems awfully complicated to think that the organization was going through an entire ruse to get this done. But these are the conversations we have. So payroll gets a lot of attention from fans. Your thoughts on the focus on payroll? Well, I, I think it's it's a very simple thing to, to discuss. It's a very simple thing to point at in terms of whether you think your front office or ownership is doing what they should be uh, to support a club. But I think the one thing that people don't realize, and, and you know, we take very seriously, is you know, our payroll is is definitely in the upper third of all of baseball. Um, I feel like you know when you look at market size, we're definitely in the bottom quartile of market size. Now we have great fan base, which which helps, but we also deploy a lot of resources that that don't make the the front page of the sports, and that's investing in our player development, that's in, investing in our performance department. In the end. Our investments that we're making, even though they might not be the most popular or the most well-written about, it's it's about sustaining success. And it's about having the long view of, of trying to figure out a way to win in a very competitive market. And I think just making a splashy sign or, 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 or you know, quote, winning the offseason, how well does that typically pay off for people? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a rhetorical question, but one that, you know, when you dig on, it's... A lot of teams have been, quote, the off-season winner and then in-season loser. So, you know, what, what are you trying to do? And for us, down the road stuck with an albatross. That's fair. And, and so I think, you know, when you look at how we've managed this and, and how we've positioned this organization for you know, really the last two decades, it's been good baseball. And as I look at, at the St. Louis Cardinals and, and – Knowing that I have ownership backing, I feel very confident that you know the next five years are going to be you know improvements. We're going to build upon where we are, and and you know look the landscapes change. 
You know, our division. Yeah, ever. The, our division. Well, what are we talking about? The free agent landscape or talking about the division? No, I'm just talking division in general, right? Okay. But when you look at, at, at where the Cubs were a decade ago to where they are now, I mean, the sleeping giant's awake. And, and so, you know, how we do business or how we react to that landscape has to change. And so, internally, we have to evolve. Internally, we understand that, that we are more. We have to be more reliant on our pipeline than ever before. And so that's why we're pouring money into that. Mm -hmm. And we're going to continue to do that. And I I hope that, you know, as people see these types of talents that come up through our system, they realize these were the right investments. How do you view baseball's offseason as a whole, not just with the Cardinals? But, I mean, I I, I would imagine in your decades in the game, this has to be the most unique offseason to see the caliber of players that in some capacity are still out there in March, but were still out in February and March, and then some getting deals that were less than their qualifying offers. I don't recall seeing anything like that. What do you think? Caused it. I, well, I don't. I don't have a, a whole lot of, of of thoughts on this at the moment because I haven't really like, tried to dive into the, to the big question of why. But you know, my my first reaction is is the one area we were pretty active in was was the reliever market, and that seemed pretty healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it definitely seemed like guys were jumping at deals, and, and I can tell you, I was part of a few negotiations that the numbers just kept going up. So. Um, from that side of it, it was it seemed very business as usual, or almost almost too liquid or fluid, and and um, so I found that side of it a little frustrating. Now we're saying that is Greg Holland still out on the market, though. I think some people would counter that. Well, um, you know, as as but you know, when you look at those types of things, I mean, we've already addressed what we felt we had to address, mm-hmm. and and so you know. When you when you bring up a, a name like that and, and you say, well, what are you going to do? It's well, you know, maybe a month ago or two months ago or three months ago, we might have looked at it differently. But we are where we are, and um, our confidence is high mm-hmm. in what we have. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when someone asks me, like, well, what happened this year in the off season? I, you know, I don't know, and, and I don't know what was turned down, what was offered. And for me to speculate would be completely unfair. Yeah, do you think some of it has to do with what what's going on? with the class of free agents following the 2018 season? It would be purely a guess. Yeah. And so rather than guess, I'd rather not answer. Fair it. enough. All right. Uh, column in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. You mentioned the front page of the, the sports page today. Uh, it's playoffs or bust for Mike Matheny as Cardinal manager. It's written by Benjamin Hockman, just so I'm not passive-aggressively saying column as if it's top-secret stuff. Um, how do you view that assessment. It's he, Ben's not the only person who has suggested that the Cardinals need to get to the playoffs or else there need to be changes. Well, I would say that that um, hypothesis, if you will, or theory is, is one that is a bit unfair to judge as we sit here in March because lots of things could happen. Mm-hmm. And you know, if a team is decimated by injuries, is it really the manager's fault? Is uh, um, if if we have a you know, strike of bad luck, is it necessarily his? Now, there's some things he can control, and you know, I feel he's had a great camp. I feel like the coaching staff that he's working with has brought a lot of energy to this camp, and I feel like you know, overall, there's a lot of positives. Now, for me to agree or disagree with a columnist on. Um, March 23rd is, again, probably not the most prudent decision to weigh in on. And and so, you know, the way I would look at this for our fan base is I feel like our manager and coaches have positioned us to to have success this year. 
Final question. How do you feel? <laughs> I wish this were video. Where's the cameras? There probably are cameras. Final question. Do you feel better about this team at the end of March than you did in early February? And it's, an, it's a question with, with pure intent, although I guess it could be a backdoor question. But I, but I feel like some of the questions that the fan base may have had have been answered based on the performance of a lot of these pitchers in particular. Yeah, I think on a, on a, on a personal level, n- not really. Because uh, this is what you expect. Right. I would say, I would say though, watching Mike and that staff gel together has been very positive. And when you... Had we been like having the same type of discussion on first week of February versus the third week of, of March, the biggest difference for me is I felt it was a very efficient and effective camp, meaning like what needed to be worked on was being worked mm-hmm. on. And so as I sit here today, do I feel more confident going into the season than I did six weeks ago? The answer is yes. Oh, that's good news. People like to hear that. All right. So thank you. Thank, no, thank you. Oh, thank you, should, you. No, thank you because it's over. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Mo. See ya. <laughs> so there he was, the Cardinal President of Baseball Operations, John Mazalak, with us here on the Tim McKernan Show for a special edition of an interview that is more timely slash newsworthy than some of our feature interviews that we've done since we started this podcast in October. I'm sure some of you are listening for the very first time. And if you want to look at our library of interviews, uh, you'll see that we have had, uh, whether it be Mike Matheny, if you're a Cardinal fan, for a conversation in which you hear the Cardinal manager like you've probably never heard him talking for about an hour and 15 minutes two months ago. Uh, Gary Pinkle, uh, Senator Jack Danforth, Senator Jim Talent, Alderwoman Megan Green, Marcus Allen, uh, some big news figures in St. Louis, such as Mike Bush, Larry Connors, uh, an interview that's very, very popular based on our downloads with Mike Claiborne, and almost all of the content is still current. It's all on the Tim McKernan Show. Subscribe on iTunes, and if you'd be so kind, leave a positive five-star review. It helps the business, and that's the name of the game when it's all said and done, along with... Supporting our sponsors. One of our sponsors here on the Tim McKernan Show is Gateway Buick GMC. They're located at I-270 McDonald Boulevard online at stlouisbuickgmc.com. If you're in the market for a new car, if you're in the market for a pre-owned car, or you need to get your car serviced, please go to Gateway Buick GMC at I-270 McDonald Boulevard online at stlouisbuickgmc.com. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with John Mazalek. Always welcome your feedback at tmckernan at insidestl.com. Positive, negative, any thoughts, suggestions, whatever the case might be i always like to engage with the listeners so feel free to do so or join the tma fan page on facebook where we're always talking it over about a wide variety of topics for my executive producer john seymour for our videographer nick yale i'm tim mckernan thank you for listening to another edition of the tim mckernan show on the inside stl podcast network